When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, we're back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Jonathan Harrison producing as always. And now we welcome in a fan favorite of the show. He does the PFF NFL show and also the lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. It is Sam Monson. What is up, Sam? Hey, how's it going, guys? We're doing okay. I've been following your tweets, uh, as one does, and uh, some have pertained Uh-oh. to the yeah, I know uh, the um, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings uh off season, and I just want to start with um, Anthony Harris here, Sam, because when we're having conversations about what this roster is going to look like, I think it could be very, very different from this year to next year if Anthony Harris doesn't want to resign, if they move on from Everson Griffin, from Linval Joseph, from Xavier Rhodes. We are talking about a potentially huge change considering this defense has been together for essentially the entire Mike Zimmer era. How do you think this is going to play out on defense for the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Whether they make those sweeping changes or not, there's a lot of changes that need to be made on this defense because it has gotten a little bit stale. It's lost some of the talent in certain key positions because guys like Xavier Rhodes just isn't playing at the level they expected from him and they need him to be playing at. Um, so, yeah, I think we've reached a point where this defense is due uh, a lot of significant turnover. But I think a guy like Anthony Harris should not be amongst the players moving on. I mean, he has become a, a truly fantastic safety. He's an all-pro caliber player, a guy that graded well consistently anytime he got on the field in previous seasons at PFF and then finally earned himself that, that shot to, to be a full-time player. And if anything, got even better when that happened. So, you know, I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL and deserves a big-time free agent deal, whether it's in Minnesota or somewhere else. Yeah, by your metrics uh, at PFF, one of the best in the entire league, him and Harrison Smith, they just so happen to have two really great safeties. But this is a team, Sam, that has very tricky cap situation. They've spent a lot of money on people to be a Super Bowl contender, and they really haven't gotten that close since 2017. So how do they manage that? I mean, how do you make those decisions based on what positional value they're going to have to replace cornerbacks clearly, probably let Trey Waynes and Xavier roads go like they have a lot of work here to do to even get back to being where they were this year which was fifth in the nfl in points allowed 
Yeah, they do. And, you know, the good news for them is that they have a great salary cap guy there. They have a guy that's capable of doing a lot. And obviously every single year you make a bunch of moves in terms of shifting money around, converting it to bonuses and that kind of thing and creating space in that regard. But yeah, they're going to have to make some decisions. There are going to, there are guys who are not living up to contracts. There are guys that, that just aren't justifying the kind of money they're on. And those are, those are easy decisions to potentially move on from, but there are tougher calls in there as well. And, you know, they, they even, they've made some of those tough calls in the past. It was interesting that they brought back Kyle Rudolph. You know, he was a player that felt like one of those potential cap casualties when you are having to manage your cap and try to keep within a certain level. Um, but they didn't, they brought him back and he's, you know, on a decent sum of money. And, you know, it, it, I don't know if that was the wrong decision or not, but it's just another one of those contracts that that you look at and are, are sort of, you know, that's big money for a, for a guy, and you've got a lot of those contracts on the roster. Sam, who wouldn't you bring back? Because, you know, Rhodes is probably not going to be back. So beyond him, of the guys under contract, if you were to sit down and make some difficult decisions, give me one or two names of guys that you might say, you're still an okay player, but we need your uh, cap room. Yeah, I mean, I think the cornerbacks are the obvious thing. Uh, Rhodes, obviously, but Trey Waynes as well, mm-hmm. you know, was a, a moderate starting cornerback and is probably going to be that for the entirety of his career. And there's value in that, but it depends, you know, what that's going to cost. You, can you get a Trey, Lane, Trey Waynes level productive player for either a lot less in terms of, uh, contract outlay or in the draft? Um, and I think you kind of have to back yourself to say that, yeah, we can. Um, and so, you know, I think those are the two most obvious players. Neither of those cornerbacks is really living up to the kind of uh, reputation that that they should, whether it's, you know, Xavier Rhodes being a top corner in the past or Trey Waynes being a former top pick. Um, they, they've got to look to get cheaper at that position. Talking with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus here on Purple Daily. All right, let's talk about the quarterback situation, Sam. Now, I was going through for an article here all the numbers over the last five years as a starter, and in a lot of different areas, Kirk Cousins is among the top, top five in this, you know, adjusted yards per attempt and all those things. And this year was by far his best pro football focus performance. And and I guess I wonder if you think that this is more of who he is that he can be top five by your guys' metrics and uh, lead an offense that's top ten, or if this is the outlier season that they need to not judge a future extension on? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, this season shows he can be that guy, but just the way all this kind of stuff works, always lean with the larger sample size. And the larger sample size for Kirk Cousins says that he is closer to a you know, top 15, top 10 quarterback than he is a top five one. Um, I think ultimately this was kind of, this was the high end of what you would have expected from Kirk Cousins when you made the deal to bring him in. I don't think anybody was ever under the illusion that Kirk Cousins is an all pro caliber quarterback, but he was a quarterback that's capable of giving you this kind of performance, which if it had been on, you know, the 2017 Vikings, might have been enough to win them the Super Bowl, but it wasn't. It was on the 2019 version, and they just didn't have enough talent to beat teams like the 49ers, uh, despite Kirk Cousins be, being at this kind of level. So, you know, I, I don't know that he's uh, he's not worth an extension, a big money extension, because, look, he's already on a, a lot of money, 
and it's not necessarily an unjust sum. It's just that you need to understand the kind of roster you still need to be able to put around him with that amount of money already committed to, to one player. And that, you know, has its own set of challenges. Sam, with where the position is going to, when you look at Kirk, to me it strikes me as if this was, let's say, 2004, okay? Kirk Cousins is just fine. He might not be great, but he's just fine. But just as far as, not just from what the numbers say, but also with where this position and this game is going, are we also to a point where where Kirk Cousins' style of play, unless you're Brady, unless you're just phenomenal, really doesn't necessarily fit the direction of this league? Uh, I don't think so. I think if you have a quarterback that's mobile and can do you know things outside the pocket um, and ba- avoid pressure or avoid sacks, be able to escape when guys get their hands on you, I think that's a huge bonus. But I don't think that you. I don't think of the guy that doesn't bring those things to the table is you know archaic and an anachronism in today's NFL. I think he still has a spot. But again, it just it highlights the things that you need to put around Kirk Cousins in order for him to win you a Super Bowl. It's not that it's impossible, but you're not going to do it with an offensive line that's not good. You know, an offensive line that can't pass protect, teamed with a guy that can't move, and anytime somebody puts their hand on him, he turtles up and hits the floor, that's a bad combination. You know, you're going to need to do one of This doesn't sound things. good, Sam. This right. doesn't sound good right now. Other than that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you need to change one of those I think, outlooks, right? You either need to change the quarterback so that when somebody puts a hand on him, he can escape and make a play, or you need to get people that are better at preventing people putting a hand on him. You know, it's not that one of those is necessarily a better way of going. It's just that one of them has to happen. All right, so... How do they fix the offensive line to the point where Cousins won't make them worse? Because I was looking back through his career, Sam, on you guys, you know, numbers of how often he gets pressured, and guess what? It's always a lot. It's never that he's, uh, you know, one of the best guys at, at avoiding pressure. He's never one uh, that's good at getting rid of the ball quickly, like someone like Drew Brees or Tom Brady. He's always among the quarterbacks who are holding on to the ball the most and making his offensive line worse than they already are. And this offensive line was absolutely horrendous when they were asked to pass protect on straight dropbacks, but in order to go anywhere in the playoffs, I feel like you have to win on straight dropbacks at some point. So, I, I mean, there's no like left tackle free agent that just solves your problems. They're, you know, the left guard is the least valuable position out there. The center they're going to stick with for a while. The right guard at least will be the same next year. I just don't see how exactly they're supposed to do this to get to a point where your offensive line is so good that Kirk Cousins won't make them worse. I don't, yeah, I don't think it needs to be so good. Um, but I do think it needs, I do think they need to get rid of all the players that are active problems. You're right. Kirk Cousins is not going to, he's not a player that makes an offensive line look really good. So the Saints, you know, they had some injuries this year in the O line and Drew Brees during the time where those guys were hurt had by far the fastest average time to throw in the NFL. It was just, look, I have a backup playing left tackle. If I don't get the ball out of my hands in two seconds, I'm going to get hit. So that's what I'm going to do. Cousins is never going to do that. So if you don't have five guys along the offensive line that aren't a problem, he's going to take a ton of pressure. But you can do that. You can assemble an offensive line that has five guys that are not weak links. The problem is right now they have at least three weak links on the offensive line, probably four, um, and that's too many. And five different positions to fill on defense, Sam. I mean, they have a lot of positions to fill, and I feel like the offensive line is just going to be the same. 
Well, look, don't blame me because they failed. I'm to not blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, where where would you start? Like, if we if we were to just start this conversation and say, "All right, you can replace today one O lineman." Where do we start? Who who is the weakest link? Elfline. Oh, Elfline's by far the weakest link. Okay, but he's in you know a less important position than than left tackle than Riley Reese. Said. Sure. So I, that I, that I think is a debate. You could go either way there. Sorry, I'm just tweeting that you're saying it's not your fault that the offensive Collar, line struggles. Collar is very upset, Sam. <laughs> hey, hey, Sam, if if uh, if I'm Spielman and you're my uh, right hand guy, and Dalvin Cook's agent comes to us in March and says, "I'm going into the fourth, or my client's going into the fourth year of his contract. We need a raise, and it's got to be a multi year deal. And without that, he's not going to show up for training camp." Your advice to me as the Vikings GM would be what when it comes to Dalvin Cook? I mean, that would be a really tough spot because, you know, all of the PFF data, as we know, says that, look, running backs are by and large a product of their environment. And if they're just not worth paying because of that, if you don't have the environment, they're not going to succeed long term. That being said, Dalvin Cook has done an awful lot of his own legwork in terms of overachieving compared with his environment. But you know, we've been talking about what a tough spot they're in from a cap point of view, and the environment still sucks. So they need to de- dedicate the money to the offensive line, to the other positions, and they probably just can't afford to spend it on Dalvin Cook. We've seen that Alexander Madison is capable of coming in and having good performances, and the draft is coming up. You know, that is where you take running backs. I think you have to make a tough call and say, sorry, we're just not going to spend the money on Dalvin. I think so, too. But I also think that Mike Zimmer absolutely loves Dalvin Cook more than we love anything in our lives. And so I, I feel like he would pressure them to try and keep Dalvin Cook. And this is where I wonder what you think about Mike Zimmer's position, Sam, where he still is not off the hot seat entirely because of what happened in San Francisco and still coming up short again of reaching the NFC Championship game since spending all that money on Kirk Cousins. His defense started to slip a little bit this year, and now there's a lot of changes that are going to be coming. And I I just think they're in an awkward position because leading up to this, it was all Mike Zimmer's brainchild. It was his vision to build the defense this way, and it came to fruition with a number one defense in 2017, but it hasn't entirely worked since then, and I'm not sure who is calling the shots on the roster from here going forward. So I think it's just kind of a strange spot they're in, Sam, with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I mean, I think for the first time, this roster needs like a significant overhaul. You know, the first time around it was, well, let's just change the quarterback. Everything else is kind of in place. We just need a guy that's capable of winning games that, you know, Teddy or uh, Case Keenum, those guys are not capable of, of winning. So we'll bring in Kirk Cousins, we'll spend the money there, and he'll paper over whatever other cracks we can't spend on because of that. Now they reach the point where it's like, all right, this whole thing is not working we, we're going to lose a bunch of guys. Other people need replacing. Now we have a significant rebuild job to do to even get back to the point of being competitive again next year. And anytime that's the case, I think people are vulnerable in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the hot seat. Yeah, I think so too. And it's just uh, that we're in a, a bit of a weird transition spot for this team that I think there could be a lot of things that end up going different uh, in this offseason. Last thing for you, who do you think will win the football games that determine the Super Bowl? Give me who you think uh, will win them. 
I think I mean I'm going to be boring and just go with both the favorites. I think I, you know they're favorites for a reason. It's tough to look beyond either one of them. I do think that the NFC Championship game in particular will end up being a much closer game than it was the last time those two teams faced. Um, if for no other reason than Aaron Rodgers is playing completely differently than he did that day. How many radio hits do you do where they're like, "All right, Sam, what do you think of this game?" And then, because I, I know that every time I would do one last week leading up to the Vikings and 49ers, what do you think of Kirk Cousins? Well, oh, well, do you have like uh, 11 hours for me to just to tell you everything I think? Yeah, well, that's why, you know, you tune into the PFF podcast where we go that's more right. in depth in these games than we do in a standard like radio hit. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, it is called the PFF NFL Show, by the way, and you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Sam is great on it. Steve is, uh, you know, he does his best. So um, let's. Yeah, uh, right. Well, we'll do this again soon, Sam. This off season, we'll have plenty of fun uh, getting together with you guys from PFF, and I wish you uh, the most of enjoyment for these championship games and the Super Bowl going forward. So thanks for coming on, man. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. See you. Yep. Sam Monson there from uh, Pro Football. I love the line. It's not my fault. Not don't, fault. Don't, blame don't blame me. me. Don't blame I me. I didn't build the offensive line. You got line. sort of confrontational there, and they said, don't blame me. It's not my fault All you got to watch it. He just said how the, they balance. He said three fifths of the line and then rethought and said, yeah, maybe four fifths. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, how are they going to replace, how are they going to replace four people on the offensive line when they have to replace a whole defense and they have no money? So, so how much of the line needs to go? Oh, there's one good guy. Maybe one good guy. Brian O'Neill's okay. Yeah. He could um, play, but besides that. You know, I've, got, I've gotten a few messages from people that have said, you know, your outlook here so far and a couple of days responding to this loss and what the offseason is going to look like has been pretty bleak. And I just can't help but I'm struggling to do the math. And I think Sam was there as well. And that's why he yelled, don't blame me. Don't you, th- <laughs> don't you think there's going to be a lot? Can you isolate that, Jonathan, to be able to use whenever we need it? Don't you get Absolutely. the... F- don't you get the feeling there's going to be a lot here though don't you have the yes like i think we're underselling exactly how much change is probably going to happen here i because the quarterback's going to stay the same almost certainly yeah but like they do need if you look at this team objectively if you're tearing apart the personnel and the roster there's a lot here can i ask a a question before i uh, talk about that yeah so the offensive line was bad just don't blame me if i answer wrong Delvin Cook had to make up for a lot of it. The run blocking wasn't horrendous, of course. Uh, but they couldn't protect Cousins when they needed to protect Cousins the most, which was against every good team with a good defensive line. Correct. Which uh, you know that your quarterback wilts when that happens mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. Did they screw that up? Did, I mean, did they just saying, oh, we need to build this offensive line that's light and nimble and good at screens? Uh, should they have been saying... You know what we need is the fattest, giantest men well, in the world because Cousins needs four seconds to throw the ball. They not only screwed it up, they screwed it up probably two or three times. One was was Rick's hubris that you could build a line the same way you find a running back or uh, or a safety. And, you know, to his credit, in Harris's case, he hit. But there could have been a long time that they said, we've got to continue to acquire offensive linemen via the draft, and they didn't. So that's screw-up one. Two is they signed Cousins, and they watched all the film, so they knew his weaknesses, right? But they were still trying to get by. And then the third swing and a miss in my mind was Anthony Barr, calling him up and saying, I want to come back. And instead of saying... Uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to spend that somewhere else, Anthony. Yeah. Saying, "Hey, come back." So 
I think it's a continuing... The offensive line problems are a continuing saga of missed opportunities. Yeah. So, yes. Spending what they spent on Anthony Barr, though, what's interesting about his situation is this year, he only cost them $6 million on the cap, which we all would have taken. Sure. Next year, it's like fourteen or something. I don't have it in front of me. But, I mean... It, it, the way that they structured it was for this year not to cost that much. So you can't really look at him necessarily as being the reason they didn't sign anyone. The reason they didn't sign anyone is because there wasn't anyone to sign. Roger Saffold, who's a great player, went to Tennessee like the first day of free agency. Well, you would have had to be there. To, yeah, he clear, he yes. clearly wanted to go, or a couple days in, he clearly wanted to go to Tennessee, and they overpaid for him to come there uh, because they're not spending a ton of money at other positions. But you start to recruit those guys and clear out that cap yeah. long before yeah. March hits. And he doesn't solve the issues either. No. Uh, entirely. But they gave but but for all of Brad Childress's missteps here when he got here in 06, one of the first guys that they aggressively pursued and overpaid but he was great, Steve Hutchinson at left guard yeah. Yeah, who yeah, they yeah. gave that poison pill contract He's to. An all-timer. And you know, we all know they tampered, we don't care. <laughs> Seriously, so, well, so if you're like looking at those guys, you can't get to the day it starts and be like, oh man, we thought we could yeah, get yeah, you. Yeah. You're tampering but constantly. It's really just that we knew all along it wasn't going to work to just bump a guy over from center to left guard who hadn't been good at center, at least since that. his injuries. Yeah. The thing that really hurt them is that they drafted a guy who could not pass block against elite players. And I don't know how they solve that issue going forward. Josh Klein was okay, not great. He gets shoved back. Yep. Uh, O'Neal is a really good player. Mm-hmm. And I thought Riley Reef was fine. Riley Reef is Riley Reef. He was the, you know, out of, let's say, 70 guys that played the position, he was in the 30s. Like, sure. that's, you know, that's how it goes when you get Riley Reef. And his contract is fairly reasonable at this point, a couple of years in. And so I don't look at him as the main reason. It's really that. Uh, left guard and center position, the teams could just attack and attack and attack. And where you would blame them is if Bradbury doesn't improve in that area, mm-hmm. which is going to be really hard because he's undersized. He walks by you and you're like, oh, is that a linebacker? But this like, ultimately comes back to years of neglect, right? Like, I don't think that this, if you, because if you say every March you should go out and get somebody, that's probably not going to happen. Doesn't this go back to a feeling that you can just sort of, "Ah, I'll take you in the fifth round and develop you? So I would say yes and no, because if you look at the amount of investment that they have on the offensive line, it's three draft picks in the first three rounds, including a first rounder. It's a lot of guaranteed money handed out to a right guard and to a left tackle. The fact of the matter is that building a good offensive line takes years and years and years. And where they spent those draft picks, and this is what I always like to ask people, is, well, did you want to take away the Xavier Rhodes or Harrison Smith picks? Did you want to take away, you know, whatever X number of players who were picked in the first, second round? Mm -hmm. Eric Kendricks, would you rather have some offensive lineman than drafting Eric Kendricks in the second round? Or Anthony Barr, and maybe you would, but, I mean, you would have had to have spent... Uh, all of these draft picks on these other players on the offensive line to build a great offensive line. And you're not going to, even if you spend five picks on them, you're not going to hit on all five. Correct. You might hit on two or three. That's why you got to do it. What Indianapolis has been able to do with them spending all that draft capital and quickly turning it around was kind of preposterous. It usually doesn't happen. And the same thing with Dallas, where they were able to quickly turn it around. Usually you find some guy who's unbelievably good, and then you sort of fill out the rest. They don't have a guy who's unbelievably good. Right. And and the Khalil bust 
absolutely kills you. Yes, yes. Because, because he started off so good, and he, he looks so good. Yep. He was supposed to be because he'd still be here if, if he you hit on him. He was to that's be. your tenure guy. Yep. That's a ten-year left tackle. Yep. That is your Joe Thomas, who is just Correct. there, and you, or your Jason Peters. Year after year after year after year, you can lock it in. And when you have to go out and sign a free agent left tackle, no one lets go a good free agent left tackle. It's like, quarter, it's like quarterbacks. It's just never going to happen. Right? So you go into this offseason with that same sort of question of, well, how are you going to find that offensive lineman, but also fill two, potentially but, three cornerback spots this and is, maybe a safety spot? But this is my question to you about evaluating internally where this personnel, this roster, and this team is at, and maybe accepting the fact that you're going to have to take a step back. I don't see any other way around it, other than that the division might be garbage. I mean, that that might be the best shot you have, is that if the Packers take a step back, if the Bears continue to be mediocre, if the Lions continue to be mediocre, you can compete and win a good number of games next year just based on the fact that you might have a fairly easy schedule. But it's aside from getting pretty radical, it's hard to figure out exactly how you're going to be a Super Bowl contender next year with all the holes to fill. Which is why you have to continue to listen to Purple Daily. I have only one thing to say to you. It's not my fault. He said, don't blame me. You didn't even get it right. Ah, whatever. It's good. <laughs> you are to blame somehow for this, Judd. Uh, but it will be a fascinating offseason, so you should continue to listen, and we'll all have fun going through it together. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. You're listening to Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.